You know, times like we're in uh, right now, the times that we're facing, do cause us to, in essence, need to go to the very uh, source of who we were created to be and what God intended in creating humanity. Uh, we are very well aware of our fallenness and that we haven't lived up to that creation that God intended. But it will be a good reminder for us today to go back to this early story of bones and Adam and Eve and talk about together who we are meant to be. You know, the creation narratives that are found in our Holy Bible are the creation narratives from the first chapter of Genesis and the second chapter of Genesis, and they're very different. But we should never see them as a scenario of Genesis 1 versus Genesis 2. For together, they give us a whole and complete understanding of the creation. They're not meant to be scientific. They're meant to be uplifting of who God is, that God is creator, and that we and all of the world was created. You know, Genesis 1 is thought to be the, uh, the younger of these two stories and was written in a poetic rhythm as God speaks creation into being in a sequence of creation coming to be. And then, of course, in the six days of creation where God created humanity, Adama, uh, man and woman in that first creation story, then on the seventh day, God rests. The second chapter of Genesis is an older version, and it really shows that God is very active in forming creation from the dust of the ground and breathing into um, uh, existence the very uh, person of, of humanity. And we have this wonderful story about how uh, that humanity was created one from the other. The rib from Adam creating a woman or, or Eve in this sense. We're going to be talking more about. But to discern the divine in our midst, it takes more than one voice, doesn't it? Uh, we like these two stories, Genesis 1 and 2, coming together to give us that beautiful narrative about who we were created to be. You know, the Bible took uh, stage front and center this past week as President Trump held up the Bible in front of St. John's Church. Um, and it was captured on television and all over the world. And the voices of the nation spoke out. Some liked it. Some hated it. Isn't that the state that we're in right now? Uh, some like, some hate. There seems to be a shrinking middle. And yet we were all reminded that the Bible is a very special book. That it's a book not to be taken lightly. It symbolizes the points of the divine that are revealed to us in this wonderful narrative that we call the Holy Bible. And Scripture lives because it tells a story. The greatest story ever told. It tells the ongoing story of the Creator's amazing, glorious, unmerited engagement in creation that was not just once upon a time, but continues uh, throughout our existence. God is doing a new thing. The kingdom of God is coming. Redemption is ours. This is a relationship that God outlines that is between human beings and God and human beings and one another. 
based on the way Jesus taught us to love God and to love one another. In this passage that Tom read for us today, we have the first negative chord that is struck in the Bible. And that negative chord goes like this. It is not good that man or humanity should be alone. It's not good that man or humanity should be alone. And then God of the universe, the God of creation, identifies with this singularity, not only of God's self, but also of the human being that God has created, and he shares in that aloneness. And God wants to correct that aloneness. And so creation comes to being, the animals come to be, the creatures come to be, but there's none who would fill that void in this human being. There's no helpmate that, that comes to that place of, of filling that void of aloneness. And so a new type of creation had to occur. And the situation was rectified by God in creating relationship between two human beings, a man and a woman. You know, there are two types of relationship in this world, Leonard Sweet says. He further says the first kind of relationship is a vertical drop. Boom. Someone is up and someone is down. And we need to face it that we all start out short, don't we? We all have to look up to others, don't we? Literally, as children, we look up to our moms and dads, our grandparents even. Our moms and dads might take the time to roll around with us on the floor and get down on our level. But at the end of the day, they stand up and the little ones are down. I, I want to ask you all a question. Did you all know that I was a grandfather? I am. I'm a grandfather. Uh, just about two and a half years ago, and I've tried to remind you as often as I could, our granddaughter, Claire Marie Copeland, was born. And um, I'm not just a grandfather anymore, but Claire calls me Pop. And observing our own two children uh, from birth uh, was one thing, but observing a grandchild is quite another it seems that you take it in at a different level, or at least that's been my experience, and I've heard witness to that from others. You know, the, cent the central quest of the first year of life for a little one is to stand up, right? I remember back months ago, we were all waiting for Claire Bear to stop crawling and to stand up on her feet, and we saw she'd pull up on furniture and then eventually would be walking around. And the first request every crib-corralled kid has is to be taken and lifted up. We, we, we see those little arms coming up in the air, and sometimes those arms come up as we reach down and encourage that, uh, that uplifting of the arms. And then, of course, we pick that little one up. You know, one of the games that Claire and I like to play in the swimming pool is called Hop with Pop. And in that game, what I do is I take little Claire in the swimming pool and I just throw her up and go in a circle as I throw her up in the air and she giggles and laughs. You know, there's something about not just being up, but being even higher than the adult in the pool. 
that I think says something about who we are in this uh, vertical drop, we long to be up at least equal, if not further. You know, small children love to be lifted up and tossed airborne, as I've just described, uh, to a thrill to be thrown, and, and finally to be on top. We never outgrow that vertical nature and always feel like we need to reach up. Think about that. You know, as men and as women of faith, or as the, the Hebrew says, as ish and isha, man and woman, there is another vertical relationship that we never outgrow. Both Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 make it perfectly clear that humans were part of a creative process initiated by the Creator, by the God of the universe. And there is a creative caring power that eternally stands above and beyond us, right? That is why we take the posture of prayer on our knees. That is why the way up is down. We acknowledge in our vertical understanding our relationship with an almighty God who is above us. We are not God's equal. And that's very important for us to recognize. And, and so the prayer posture that we don't always practice, but we know it's the primary prayer posture, is when we're on our knees, recognizing that God is above us. We are as children before the power of the Almighty God. And in essence, our prayers are our lifting up our hands for a God to receive us. You know, that is why it's so wrong to put a knee on the neck of a fellow human being. That's why the outcry. Because we know we were created Bone of your bones and flesh of my flesh, said the scripture. A knee to the neck is a power over position. It is a hostile position. And we've been reminded it can lead to death. Maybe unintended and perhaps the death um, of, of George Floyd was, was, was not one that was meant to be on purpose, not, not for a killing, and yet it happened. And, and there's no remorse that will bring that man back to life. And we've seen over and over again as protests have erupted that there's something wrong about that position of the knee as being a position of being over another the proper place for a knee in prayer is to acknowledge the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, whom we are under, who is above us, who is almighty, who can do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We've been reminded of the worst of our human story that we have right here in the Bible. The first sin, the first sin was, of course, for one to think they could be like God. 
That's the first sin. The second sin that we have right here in the Bible is the lie. Trying to tell God that you didn't eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. That was number two. And number three was when a brother named Cain killed his brother named Abel. That sin was a sin human against human. The other two were sins against God. But sins against God ultimately lead us to that fallen state where we have the ability to take the life of another. We need to be reminded that we are created bone of bone, flesh of flesh, not meant to be powered over one another, but, but meant to understand ourselves in relationship with God and called to a new relationship with our sisters and our brothers. Relationships, even relationships with God, are not limited to the vertical. Now, I want you to hear me there. We've talked about this relationship of vertical with God, but our relationship even with God is not limited to that vertical expression. There's a horizontal understanding of our relationship with God and our relationship with what God has created, especially our relationship with other sisters and brothers. First of all, God flexes the vertical nature of the divine relationship with human, um, and, and God puts Adam into a deep, divinely induced, horizontal sleep. That's what the story says. And secondly, for the raw material, God does not go to the head. He does not go to the feet. God goes directly to the heart. God goes to the heart of Adam in creating another. And finally, we need to recognize that God removed that rib from Adam's midsection, thereby exposing Adam's heart. This enabled God to construct a new being who is neither higher nor lower, but one who is side by side, just the way God intended it to be. And that final step, God created not just woman, God created a new kind of relationship. Do you hear me? The story in Genesis 2 is not just about the creation of, of, of humanity or another human being and woman. It is the creation of a relationship. Not a, a vertical one over another, but a side-by-side -side relationship. One of equality. Uh, one that, that sees another as a sister, that sees another as a brother, that sees us all as creations of the one true God. You know, it takes human-to-human -human connection to take away loneliness that we experience. It, it, nothing else can do that like that human-to-human -human relationship. Oh, our relationship with God is one thing that is so very important. But, but we need that human-to-human -human relationship to, to, to really rid ourselves of that deep-seated loneliness. 
When the woman in the story is brought to man by God, there is an immediate connection. Here's the revelation that we have when when Adam uh, sees Eve. Adam, he erupts with this emotion. He said, this is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And ever since that moment, true, horizontal, equal relationships have been easily identifiable by language. We, we hear in our New Testament scripture, they're neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. And we could continue that same thought. There's neither black nor white, citizen nor police, gay or straight, old or young. You could go on and on with the divisions that we could see in the world that God wants us to see as different, that they are horizontal, that we are all one in Christ. We are meant to be side by side. These connections are the most imperative, the most important, the most precious, the most precarious. The God of all creation has a vertical relationship with us, but the God of all creation also initiated a saving horizontal relationship with us because God became human. We know the creator God, the almighty God, the one in whom we are in a vertical relationship with, the one who is above us, the one who is, is more than we could ever be, is the same God who stepped out of heaven, if you will, and became human in the person of Jesus Christ. The God of our salvation has a horizontal relationship with us. The cross has both that vertical beam and that horizontal beam that in essence symbolizes who God is, divine and human, in a vertical relationship with us and yet in a saving, horizontal relationship with us. You know, all horizontal relationships have the infinite expandability, don't they? There is always one more connection that we can make. Standing face to face, side by side with a partner who delivers us from loneliness or what God recognizes as that first great gap that God needed to fill. God not only saw that gap in human to human, but God saw that gap in the way humanity related to God. And and so in Jesus, we saw one, a human being, fully God, fully human, who called God Pop or Poppy or Abba, the most childish word we could possibly use for God. To show us how much God loves us and how much we can love God. That God's not far removed. That God is with us. Always with us. That God even desires that horizontal relationship with us. To stand face to face, side by side. You know, it will only be when we recognize that we are created by God to be in 
side-by-side relationships with God and with one another. Not a power over relationship with others. But to see each other as sisters and brothers. Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. uh, That we could ever truly have the kind of unity that God purposes for humanity. Now we've seen signs of hope in the last few days, haven't we? We've seen... uh, Policemen, we've seen mayors. We've seen others who have put down their, uh, uh, their batons, taken off their helmets, prayed with one another. And, and this gives us hope. Protests are, are part of who we are as a country, but, but, but at the end of the day, we can't live in the sense of tension. We have to get to a place where we pray with one another so we can talk with one another. So we can understand that our relationship with one another is not meant to be like this, but to be like this, side by side. We're all are created equal. You know, many of us have, have been at a loss at just what to do in the last 13 days since George Floyd's death, haven't we? Some of us have tried to push for different kinds of, of reform. Some have have decided to march and others have decided to retreat. Some have engaged in social media. Some have kept quiet. Some have prayed. You know, when I prayed that God would put me to doing something, that I was tired of just talking about it or writing about it, I I needed to do something, I was inspired I believe by God, to write 99 plus 1 letters. And these letters, one by one, would be to black friends of mine, African-American friends of mine, whom I've been in relationship with since I was a child. I started thinking of the names of my friends from my elementary days and my high school days and my college days. I started writing their names down, actually on a computer. (laughs) And I wrote down the names of my black friends who were from communities where I've served and from churches where I have served. And African-American colleagues in ministry. In the last few days, I've started writing letters. And and I've, I've started getting responses. I want to read one of these responses to you from a young man, a pastor friend, whom I wrote, and he wrote back. He said, Stan, I appreciate your words, and I have enjoyed your friendship over the years as a black man in America. I've always been aware of the racist elements in the world. I've always been guarded with what I say and to whom This is nothing new. What is new is the fact that the racist element of the world now believes that it can, it is okay to to publicly do what has only been done in private in the past. Now they feel bold enough to stand on the necks of black people in the front of the world. That can only happen when our leaders approve of such behavior. 
Why wouldn't I do this if, if I know I'm not going to get in trouble? And I have to tell you, it speaks volumes when people respond in outrage over the stores and property damage and the riots, but were silent when seeing the video of Mr. Floyd being murdered in broad daylight. Stan, until we lose our divisive labels and see respect, see and respect each other as equal men and women, we won't get better. The day we can all look at our congregation and not see a black woman or an Asian man or a white woman or a Hispanic man with all the preconceived biases that come with those labels, that is the day we can start living the words of Thomas Jefferson penned in 1776, all men are created equal. Until then, we are doomed to see this ignorance over and over again. Bless you, my brother. Continue to pray for me. I wrote him back and told him I was praying for him, and we've had a little back and forth, and I've had back and forth with others all week that have truly been blessings to me. We have to get to a place where we see that God-intended horizontal relationship as sisters and brothers. We listen to one another. We pray with one another. We love one another. And we settle for nothing less in this country of such wonderful values and freedoms. What is keeping us from acknowledging our horizontal relationship with God, our Creator, who also came down to be side by side with us in Jesus? What is keeping us from looking horizontal in the eyes of Christ this morning? And to look into the eyes of another human being, we're looking into the eyes of ones for whom Christ lived, Christ died, and Christ rose again. Christians bring the vertical and horizontal together. That's how God intended it. To bring the, the vertical and the horizontal together. And I close with a quote from Leonard Sweet again, this great teacher and preacher and prophet. You show the depth of your understanding of God by the breadth of your undertakings for others. God bless you.